You're now listening to J House Radio in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Wine be the gang and you know them niggas Boot it up, turned up, piped up I'm back, baby, where the love at? I'm back, baby, where the love at? Yo, what's up, bro? What's up, my friend? Doing good, man. I'm doing good, man. It's been a long day. I think that's how a lot of people are feeling right about now. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Not not on IG Live right now, but I will be posting snippets of this conversation to IG um, TV, so be on the lookout for that. But welcome to J House Podcast Radio. I would like to start by recanting, you know, which I haven't had to do a lot of lately. You know, this is probably like my second time having to recant anything I've said, you know, or take back something I said. I even took down yesterday's podcast. It's still been listened to and it's still on the Anchor app, but I just had to take it down because there was so much that was unclear that now, you know, I'm just finding out today looking at the facts and everything And it's frustrating because no one can give you the truth anymore. It's frustrating because we live in a day and age where people would rather, you know, use their emotions instead of checking, instead of fact checking and logic and things like that. And then if you try to confront them with facts, the truth doesn't set people free anymore. It makes people mad. And then they end up coming at you and canceling you, you know, and so, so with that being said, it's just so much that's unclear right now concerning this whole situation about uh, Jacob Blake. You know, all we know from a media point of view is that this was another black man who was shot in the back. All black people are outraged. We're all outraged. And, you know, all that, the celebrities and all that and, and the NBA and sports, you know, totally postponed and just stopped the boycott in the name of this but I'm like wait wait but why though and and so this morning I know yesterday I was all about Jacob Blake Jacob Blake and pro Jacob Blake and I don't want anyone thinking that I'm not but you know or that I'm not for Black Lives Matter but you know I looked at the facts and you know, lining up the facts, which I don't even know if, according to what you just told me, I don't even know if the facts that I found inside of this court are are legit. And so, uh, and and that, you know, real quick, I'm sorry uh, to cut you off. But that brings to a bigger uh, a bigger conversation, which I don't want to get into today because I want this to be a positive podcast. Because Lord knows we need one. Yeah. Um. The media, you know, I, I talked a lot yesterday on the podcast that got cut. I I talked a lot about accountability, and I talked about how officers must be held accountable. We got to start holding the friggin' media accountable more than anything. Yes. Because there was a time pre-social media uh, where not just anybody could write an article. Right. You had to be somebody. You had to go and get a degree study journalism you had to learn how to separate fact from fiction Uh, and the goal was not to persuade people the goal was to get the information out there and allow people to make 
an informed decision based on the information that you put out there. Yeah. But now the media has taken it upon themselves. The news outlets have taken it upon themselves to not only tell you stories uh, that are happening, but they're also now telling you how you should feel about it. They're telling you and they're conveniently leaving out a part of things uh, like just the other day, there was another, and let me say this real quick before I'm going to say what I'm going to say. There is absolutely nothing defendable about what the cop did to George Floyd. That that was unacceptable. Yeah. But um, there was something released saying that perhaps what the cop did wasn't actually the cause of death because the full video got released and some details in the autopsy showed that George had taken a, a, a large amount of fentanyl which is a very powerful substance that uh, can really cause you to geek out. And I, somebody actually leaked the whole video, like minutes from the beginning to end, yeah. and it was painfully obvious that George was freaking out from the time they started talking to him. Yeah. Uh, not, because, not because the man had done anything wrong, but simply because the man was drugged out of his mind and – you know, when you're in that state, you can't think logically. Right. And what I would say to that is, why were the cops not better? For, like, how could they not recognize that? How could they not look at this man and tell, we got to get this dude some help? Like, he's freaking out. Yeah. Well, that was kind of uh, a shock. And then here's another prime example of the media. Uh, there's this incident right now in Wisconsin where uh, a 17-year-old white boy shot and killed some protesters. Now, the initial report I read was that this kid was a white supremacist. Wow. And then I, I read more reports saying, no, the kid wasn't a white supremacist, yeah. but he did kill people. And then I read, well, he didn't even kill any black people. He shot and killed two white he people. He did. He shot and killed two white people. Yeah. And I'm thinking, think about how different this story just got. Think about that for a second. Yeah. We go from what's initially released, racist white supremacist takes AR-15 and kills two innocent black people. Right. And then we go on to, no, that's not even remotely close to what happened. But there's still a lot of people out there under the impression that this kid was a white supremacist. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, look... If he is, then let's call him that. But if he's not, I mean, that's a serious accusation. Yeah. We can't just we, we can't just be willy-nilly running around calling every white person with a gun a white supremacist. Yeah. Because that creates a very dangerous narrative. And a stereotype, um, too. Exactly. And so my whole thing is, man, is that the media, has, I mean, uh, and the scary thing is I don't know how to hold the media accountable. Um. Because, I mean, with the politicians, how do you hold them accountable? You vote them out. Right. That's how they're held. But the media, I mean, I don't know what to do about that. That's a, that's a whole other ball game there. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do about it about them either. Because, you know, you sit there and you watch CBS News or CNN, you know, and things like that. And we're like, okay, we're dependent on you. You claim to get the eye-opening stories first. We're claiming on you to give it to us straight. And then you're only giving us one side of the whole ball game. You know what I'm saying? You got me thinking that this was just a man trying to check on his kids. 
you know, and that he was there to break up a fight. But in reality, you know, um, in reality, it was his girlfriend that called the cops on him. I listened to the 911 call and heard the whole police band. His girlfriend called the cops on him. He was not breaking up a fight. He was not being a good Samaritan. His girlfriend called the cops on him, on Jacob Blake, because she did not want him near her or the kids. And you just corrected me from the source of Snoops, letting me know that he um, he was he's been accused by his girlfriend, correct, of sexual assault, right? His girlfriend, from what I read, so, but even so, let me just say this real quick. I mean, what the hell that we're even having to discuss what part of this is true and isn't right? Because because people are out in the street right now, fighting, rioting, burning shit over false headlines. Right. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, seriously, man. And that's what that's, the, that's what makes me mad, bro. The media knows the power they have, and it's happening in the street every day. Yeah, every day. The the I don't even know what to do or say about it. It's heartbreaking, but you know, you and I talked, and this is kind of a J House announcement that you know we talked and said that we're not touching on any stuff like this moving forward. Yeah. Uh, for those for those who listen to us, this is the, and we're not trying to spend too much time on it, but this is the last time that we'll talk about anything political on the podcast for now, because this is not the age of information. I don't care how much information we have in our hand. Nobody is going to give it to us straight. And the fact that we're having to dig for the truth and the media should be telling us the whole truth, not just half of it the whole thing, not just shaping it to look some sort of way so that they can get this narrative going that way is shameful. And the black community, my own black community, I love you guys, but you you guys fall for it every single time, more than anything. You guys fall for it every single time. And I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of having to hold your hand. I'm sick and tired of having to try to debate with you guys on Facebook. I'm sick and tired of trying to show you guys facts and what is fact. And yet you guys still choose to ignore it. I'm, I'm just done with it. I'm, I'm done. I almost quit my workout today in the middle of it just thinking about it because I didn't even want to deal with it today. You know, it's, it's that. That's, that's what it's come to now. We can't even trust the people who we put on the put on the TV to to tell the truth, and you guys are just being a part of the issue, just spreading more lies and not giving the full picture, so that we can come to a full conclusion. Jacob was not supposed to be there anyway. Now, whether the cops could have handled him better or not, that okay, that's a whole nother discussion. But the fact remains that that situation was not helpful the attorney general found a knife in the floorboard that he was going for. What did we think was going to happen to him? I'm sorry. I know that's brutal. Seven times shot in the back. The the autopsy report, I believe, confirmed, or the shot report says that he hit him three times and missed the other four, you know, or the other way around. So, I mean, what did he think was going to happen? You thought the cops were just going to ask him to stop? Racial tension, and I said this this morning on Instagram, racial tensions are already high enough between black people and cops. We already have a higher chance of dying just by getting stopped. And I think that you have a better chance of survival by not resisting and not doing anything 
rather than trying to keep going even after they've tased you? What did we think was going to happen? And so I'm asking people to think with your logical mind and not with your emotions moving forward. Don't think about how you feel. Look at the facts. I know you're angry. I know you're mad. But let's get all the facts before we start spouting out BS and misinformation all over the Internet and start holding the media accountable for what they give us moving forward. And here's a prime example of that. And this is the last thing I'm going to say on the topic before I move on. Yeah, there's a kid. I don't know if anybody knows his name. I think it's Nick Sandman or something like that. Uh, If you don't know that name, Sandman was the kid. There was a viral video of a year or so ago that CNN reported of uh, this kid face-to-face with a Native American uh, man. And the story that was released was that this kid was harassing this Native American, bullying him with his group of friends. They were all wearing Trump hats. Yeah. Uh, and that this kid was just being really disrespectful and that this guy was a, a veteran and a bunch of other things. Well, then we find out two days later that none of that was true. The Native American was harassing Sandman, and Sandman was just standing there doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, Now, the funny part of that story is that CNN uh, had to pay Sandman $200 million for lying about him, which me personally, I think that's glorious. That is glorious. I I think that is a beautiful thing, that, that CNN got caught in a lie. And I would say the same thing if it was Fox News or anybody else. But when you are caught in a lie, I mean, you have a responsibility, media. Understand, your responsibility is to dig for the truth and tell us, yeah, inform us. But you have taken it upon yourself to not inform us, but to persuade us. And there's a big difference there. When you inform somebody, you're simply telling them a piece of information. When you're persuading them, you're using this information to tell them how they should think. Yeah. And maybe leaving parts out. But, yeah, moving forward, I'm glad we're no longer touching on anything political because in today's age, it's impossible to get it right. I hate saying that, but it's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, if it were the freaking 40s and 50s and 60s or earlier age, you know, at least it would be an earlier time where the news would tell you the truth. And you know what source to discredit and which ones to not discredit. But nowadays, I can't tell the difference. <laughs> so, yeah. But on, on to lighter tones. On to lighter tones, man. Because, like, this morning, and I'm like, I woke up to, to more, this morning, I'm like, everything was going fine. The NBA was back. I was enjo- We were enjoying sports. DC fandom has us at an all-time high. Marvel fans and DC fans are excited for everything that's to come in the future. You know, we're starting to heal again, and then this BS comes out of nowhere and just sort of almost kind of knocks the mood back down. So the NBA, I'm just touching on this briefly. The NBA has decided to resume play. I don't know if they're going to resume tomorrow's Friday or next week Friday. I have to check. But they're going to resume play, which is great. I'm glad to hear that. Because we need sports. We need something in our lives right now. Um, it was this Friday that if they resume, it's going to be either tomorrow or this weekend. Yeah. I, I would hope for so for tomorrow because the nation needs something, man. We got to have something to get us through this hard time. And, you know, basketball has been one of those powerful things, you know. Um, 
you know, and, 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 and I'm, I'm looking at life and every year that I've lived when I was old enough to start watching, you know, comic book movies and superhero movies, I always counted that a blessing if I was able to see one of my favorite movies in theaters, you know what I'm saying? Or have a new film come out that I was excited about for me, that, that is the high of life. So to know that, you know, the Batman is coming out, Zach's Justice League is coming out. We got to see trailers, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a blessing to me. And to me, that is a lot of positivity, you know, that I take, that I don't take for granted. You know, I'm, I'm grateful for that because I don't think nobody else is living in the age that we're living in where we get to see our heroes come to life in all different iterations and all types of projects and things. You know what I'm saying? We, we, our generation is the generation that gets to experience that. And so there's just so much to be happy for and grateful for. I'm working again. I'm about to go back to work shortly. So I'm glad after not being able to work for a few months, you know, so I, you know, I, I fist bumped in the parking lot, right? I did like this Tom Brady-esque, you know, fist bump in the parking lot as soon as I got the job offer. And the Planet Fitness team's looking at me like I'm crazy. And I saw them mocking me in the background laughing. But I'm like, you guys can laugh all you want. You don't know what it's like to sit in your house for four months and know that you don't have a job because you screwed up some chances pre-COVID. It's not till you have no it's not until you have no money in your bank account and you're having to live on week to week unemployment that you really, really start to wish you would have kept your job. So like, I'm like, y'all can laugh all you want to. I'm grateful to be working again. And I'm, if that means jumping up and down and celebrating that, I'll do that because I'm not taking it for granted like most people do. So I'm, I'm glad, bro. But today, you know, real quick, uh, back on sports. Yeah. And I'm only going to speak on this for like one minute, man, because I mean, the, so. it, was, it, it was just, well, I want to get in the fandom. Yeah. Uh, Man, I, I just want to say I'm really sorry about your trailblazers. I I actually, I'm you know, you know, you know, me. Man, I I was pulling for the for the Lakers to win, but I can't help but feel bad for Dane. I do. I feel for and him, man. And I I hear clowns like Skip Bayless talk about him, and Skip Bayless averaged one point two points a game his senior year of high school playing basketball. So, you know, so, you know, this man wouldn't recognize world talent if it bit him in the ass. For real. Uh, So, I mean, and now now Dame's injured, and I don't know if he'll play in the next game. Uh, But, yeah, after watching that last Lakers-Trailblazers game, I told myself this series is over. The Lakers have broken their spirit. It's over. Yeah. It's it's over, man. And then, the, and I'm thinking the Mavericks might be in the same ship because they just got their asses kicked. Yeah. And and whenever Paul, but now granted, they did not have Chris Dapps, right? Which is that that that's a huge deal to not have him. So if Chris Dapps comes back and Luca can get hot again, which and by the way, Marcus Morris is a punk bitch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> stepping on Luca's ankle like a little bitch, and then he's like, "Oh, I did it on that man! Shut up! You're known for this kind of shit. This ain't the first time we've caught you. You're the Nadamakan Sue of the NBA. Yeah. Okay. That's who you are, Morris. You dirty, dirty, dirty person." 
That's messed up. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just have no tolerance for that kind of bullshit. Oh, that's funny. Like, like just because the man has been ripping y'all a new asshole, you gonna try and injure him? Oh man, that's messed that up. Is... I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. That's that's not. It's not because you got all that floor. You got all that floor space, and you telling me that the only place you could land was right there on the back of his ankle. Like, yeah, and he takes an awkward step to get his ankle. Like, I don't want to hear that. Miss me with that, Marcus. Miss me with all that. Yeah. I mean, come on, get the fuck out of here with that. Now, I'm telling you, though, what, man? I still think them Bucks are legit. Yeah, you, and Giannis will be the player of the year, man, yeah. Well, not not even that, man. I'm going to tell you, if Bledsoe and Middleton can do something to help this man, they're going to win it all. They're going to win the whole damn thing. But the problem is, Chris Middleton... And Eric Bledsoe have yet to be found. Because, like, no one man can do it all. That's never been the case in the NBA. Well, except for, like, Bill Russell way back when, but there were only eight teams. And that was back in the day where if you just had a really good center, you were unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, But in today's NBA, one man can't do it all. I don't care how good you are. You got to have at least one other solid player on your team. Right. You know, even Michael Jordan, he needed Scottie Pippen to propel him to be what he became. Right. Uh and I hate the disrespect. That's that's my number one issue with Skip whenever he's talking about Michael Jordan, which I mean I agree that Michael's better than LeBron, but I'm not gonna sit here and disrespect Scottie Pippen. Right. Scottie was a baller, a defensive monster, and he was the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman, yeah. so I don't want to. I don't want to hear none of that. Yeah, that Jordan because Jordan won a grand total of zero championships without Scotty. Yeah, he he was getting knocked out in the first round by the Detroit Pistons and Isaiah Thomas. They owned the Bulls. Yeah, until until Scotty started playing. Yeah, so I don't want to hear none of that. All great but, players need a supporting cast. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, even I mean in the NFL, it's more true because you now you look at Brady, he's had you know Edelman and Gronk, but yeah. personally, I think that's more Bill Belichick than anything. But right, and can can we touch on that for for just a few seconds? Like I'm trying, and and I'll, I because I you know, um, you know Broncos fan pages I follow on Instagram are always talking and posting the same stuff. So the discussion is, uh, you know, who's better, Peyton or Brady? And I'm like, um, you know, and I'm not trying to let bias get in the way, but I'm like, at the end of the day, I just want to look at stats. I want to look at where they match up. Now, as of right now, you know, Brady and, and Peyton have been neck and neck, and they both hold indistinguishable records that would be impossible to make you be like, you know, one is better than the other. Some people may disagree with that because they're like six Super Bowls, but I'm like, dude, from a football perspective, no one – Brady did not – yeah, Brady performed in those games, which is great, as he should have, because he's one of the best of all time. But, like, teams win championships, not individual players. So when we bring up the 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 great quarterback situation, you know, we have to bring up quarterbacks who are on teams who, you know, don't necessarily have the complete team but still – 
year in and year out put up crazy quarterback stats. Those are the quarterbacks that you talk about and put in this, put in that, you know, sort of scenario from a, and yeah, people bring up, you know, regular season, uh, Peyton's the best regular season quarterback, but in the postseason he chokes. I'm like, that 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 very well may be because I'm not gonna lie. Super Bowl fifty, we we carried him to that championship. Our defense had to carry him to that championship. So I'm not gonna lie. That game. Well, me personally, let me, let me start saying this. I like Peyton Manning a lot more than I do Tom Brady. Just like them. Yeah. I love Peyton. I love listening to him talk. And I would argue he's definitely the smartest yeah. quarterback of all time. Uh, his knowledge of the game is just absolutely nuts. And that's how come I really want to see Peyton Manning take up a football coaching yeah. uh, gig somewhere. I think he'd be. I, yeah. I think he'd a be. A Bronco fan put it, put it out there the best way. Uh, Tom Brady is a system quarterback, but Peyton Manning was the system, as he as he so eloquently put it. <laughs> I mean that that's true to a certain extent, but one thing that I give Tom Brady over Peyton, and this is how come, in the grand scheme of the greatest of all time, I give it to Peyton or uh, Brady. Because here's the thing: when you say best of all time, I mean that's when we start talking about statistics and all that and, and who threw uh, the most touchdown yeah. passes and all that stuff. But when we say greatest, to me, that means like hardware. When that means, because like if we're being honest, hardware rings is That's- what cements your legacy, which is why, which is how come Joe Montana is always referred to as being right. better than Dan Marino. I mean, there's there's arguments to be made that, you know, maybe Dan threw the ball better, had a tighter spiral, and can do things right. better than Joe could. But at the end of the day, Joe's got four Super Bowls yep. to Dan's zero. And so, in the grand scheme of greatness, Marino kind of falls up short. And when I look at Tom Brady, it's not just that he has six Super Bowls. Um it's yeah. what I watched him do in those Super Bowls. The Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons was the game where I said, okay, I'm done arguing that with it. Tom goat. Brady's the best ever. When I watched him, and people can say whatever they want about the Falcons choked and blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You can say all that you want. The fact of the matter is yeah. Brady didn't give up. There's so many quarterbacks I've watched. Peyton Manning, get to the Super Bowl, fall behind, and just let that team continuously pound you I'm not, into submission. I'm not, I'm not even going to be mad about that because uh, I watched it happen at Super Bowl 48. That's exactly what happened. One bad snapper, exactly. we were I mean, buried. We a... never recovered. No, I mean, but that was back when the Seahawks yeah. were the Legion of that Boom and all that, man. But then the the next year, that same team ran into Peyton Manning, and then for whatever reason, Pete Carroll thought it would be a good idea to throw the ball on the one-yard line. And lost. That was an unnecessary. I always look at that as an unnecessary Super Bowl loss. That was so unnecessary. That was a- I think that might have been the single dumbest in call football I've ever history. seen in the Super Bowl. And they're like, Bowl. well, you're just sitting at home on your couch – you know, watching it, you don't know what it's like to be out there on the field, bro. 
a blind Stevie Wonder. You've got Marshawn Lynch. You've got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. He's been whooping the Patriots all day. Give him the friggin' ball. I mean, or at least give it to him twice and then throw it on third down. But bruh, you threw it on first down immediately following a crazy right. freaking catch. So, I mean, I'm watching that game thinking, damn, this game's over. And then that Jesus happened. I was like, Christ. holy shit. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was happy as fuck because I hate the Seahawks. Because that was that same year where that damn onside kick happened and Brady versus oh, Rodgers in the Super that Bowl. That was one of the greatest of NFC championship games of all time. I remember that like it was yesterday. Oh, my God. No, it wasn't, Eric. That is one game. That one game hurt me more than any other football game I've ever watched. Alabama, any of them. I've never watched a football game that really I know, but it was such a like Cinderella franchise quarterback moment. Russell Wilson's crying in the middle of the field. I just want to thank God. This team is amazing. It was like some real type Hollywood football movie type stuff. It really was. Why? I was so happy. That's why I was so happy and laughed my ass off when that same quarterback. Oh, he was crying in the Super Bowl. That he wasn't was doing a lot of. You can't get mad at Russell, man. It wasn't his fault. Oh, I can get mad at that whole. No, you know who I can get mad at? I can't remember the son of a bitch's name, but the guy that jumped in front of Jordy Nelson trying yeah. to catch the onside kick. That motherfucker is who I can be mad at because Jordy would have caught that and it's game over. Right. It'd be game over. Get out of Jordy's That's the way. Best what the rece- hell are one you of doing? the best receivers, if not the best receiver on your team with the best hands, and you hop in front of him. Like, I'm, I saw that happen and I was like, you've got to be shitting me. I was so mad, man. But then watching Russ throw that interception and knowing. That all the Seahawks fans got to feel what I felt the week before. Right. Oh, what nothing like it. What nothing like it. I was so happy, man. That for the game to end like it's not that the Seahawks lost, it's the fact that they got to experience what it feels like to really think, we're going to pull this off. It's going to be beautiful. We're going to win. And then one play later, your heart is ripped out of your chest right. and showed to you. And I'm just so happy that they got to experience that hurt because they deserve it. Because I had yeah. to listen to a lot of shit. Oh, I, I didn't talk shit because I don't believe in talking yeah. shit to a team that beat you. Uh, but I did get to sit back and laugh. Yeah. They, I, I did. I did the same thing whenever Auburn shit the bed against Florida State in the national title game after that fucking oh kick six God. happened. I couldn't talk shit to I couldn't talk much shit to Auburn fans because they beat us, but watching them shit the bed after being up twenty one to three in a national title game. Yeah. Just, our comeback magic great. hat ran out that game. It was so bad that I was sitting in Buffalo Wild Wings with my dad and brother and I tried I tried to be that one person in the group that tried to encourage everybody, <laughs> even when it was no hope at all. I'm like I'm like, oh, oh no, I was a kid, though. I'm like, oh, we still got it. Hey, Dad, we can still come back. My dad's like, shut up. Be quiet. <laughs> and we just walked out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Never 
never have I been so defeated in my whole life. I was like, oh my gosh. And that's and that's the point I'm trying to make to Auburn fans. Now I'm like, I as the at this current moment, if we beat Bama, okay, fine. Where is the national championship? I'm I'm ready for more than just beating Alabama every year. I would want ring. I'm gonna get more as soon as Gus as as long as Gus Malzahn's there. I'm sorry, he's not a national championship coach. I know he made it his first year, but. God, yeah. the man. I mean, Gene Chizik's gone, but at least yeah. he gave us a ring before, before he was out. Like, oh, and I got Auburn fan friends who thank Gus Malzahn for that championship because he was the offensive coordinator that year. But me personally, I attribute that national championship to the fact that Auburn had one of the top, probably top three. Yeah, top three best quarterbacks oh, yeah. I've ever we, watched. We, in we truly got blessed. My uncle calls him Scam Newton, but you know, I'm like, <laughs> we were just blessed okay. that year, man. I was happy, and that started the trend of getting JUCO quarterbacks. And then we had Nick Marshall, who I thought was absolutely magic during the 2013 season, like just absolutely amazing. But yeah, that's just. Thing that Malzahn has proven to me that he just can't do. He cannot develop quarterbacks. Because like I told you last year, man, Bo Nix is the first quarterback that has been recruited by Auburn under Gus Malzahn to yeah. win seven games. The other three that were that I think he recruited were uh, Sean, White. Sean White, oh, Jeremy Johnson, and – Franklin, yeah, something, Frank, uh, something I know who you're talking about. Uh, he plays for Tampa Bay now. He's with yeah. Tampa now. That uh, uh, ugly song. He was on uh, Last Chance You. I know who you're he talking was. about. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, get, God, off, get off ugly. Frank, man. But all, all three of them were all like uh, recruited, and all three of them turned out to be major. Jeremy busts, Johnson and I was, was a like, hot pile of dog poop, I say. But I'm not going to sit here and say that Saban is the one that develops quarterbacks because but that's the thing I love about Saban. He's the kind of coach he knows what he can and can't do, and with what he's not the best at, he goes out and gets a guy like Elaine Kiffin who knows what it yeah. takes to develop a quarterback, um, which, you know, that's one thing I love about the guy. He gets that supporting yeah. cast around him that, that can uh, – that can help. But anyways, man, enough sports talk. I'm ready yep. to get into this we got DC about 30, fandom. 30, 25 minutes left, I think. 25, 30 minutes left. Let's get into fandom. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what I've got here is, because I want we kind of broke down the projects that were released, and I've spent a little bit of time making this list because eight movies were released or yeah. announced. There are eight of them. Um. Oh, and by the way, the gameplay for uh, the Suicide Squad video game looked pretty sick, and the fact that it's getting made by the same people that made Arkham actually yeah, has it's set in the Arkhamverse as well. So that's exciting too. Oh yeah, so I've got right here the eight movies, and I have them ranked. And this is my personal opinion, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I have them ranked from eight to one on level of excitement, like how excited yeah. I am for these films and why this is. Um, 
just get your reaction and we'll kind of break down each movie as we go on. Um, so number eight, number seven and eight, both of these films are kind of like films I could do without. Like if they don't get released, it won't be the end of the world, but I will still go see them because they're DC. At number eight, yeah. Shazam 2. Um, I did enjoy the Shazam movie. It was everything I thought it would be. Uh, it's like I've said, Shazam is that one yeah. goofy character who DC can get away with making a lighter tone uh, film. And some people were saying that it was like MCU-esque, and I disagree because I think Shazam was even goofier than most things in the it MCU. It was very goofy. Uh, I don't think the MCU's no. ever gotten that goofy. Uh so, I mean, with Shazam 2, though, I mean, but at the end of the day, it was a well-put-together film. It was a solid movie. The acting was great, and it did exactly what I thought it would do. Um, it was kind of a box office flop, though mostly I say that's because it's Shazam. He's not a well-known hero, so I didn't expect it to blow up the box office, and I don't expect the second one to do much better. Yeah. Um, all that... All that being said, I am still going to watch it. I am still somewhat excited for it, but this isn't the film that just has got me doing yeah. cartwheels. I can agree with that. I don't, I don't have anything else that, to add to that. I think I agree with everything you just said about Shazam. All right. And number seven, the other film that I could kind of live without, if it gets released or not, is uh, the Snyder Cut? I'm kidding. I mean, look, I'm look kidding. though. Even if you, even was, if you did, I would totally understand why because we had so many discussions. I was just pulling oh. your leg on that one. Uh, you might be surprised with where it ranks on this list. I think I'm gonna surprise yeah. you. Really? Um, but number seven, the actual movie is Aquaman two. Um, okay. I mean, I enjoyed the first one, um, and I told you I just didn't care for Black Manor. Yeah. I was not, I wasn't too, I mean, there were some cool fight scenes in it. Yeah. I'll give it that. Some really cool fight scenes. For sure. Great visuals. Yeah. Um, and I really like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. I think that he and Gal Gadot were the two things done right in Justice League. Yeah. And that's about it. Because Batman, Superman, and Flash, I thought, yeah. were all just awful. I mean, even they, they did disrespect Wonder Woman a little bit with that Flash scene, but I ain't even going to get into that. That was just downright disrespectful. I mean, do you have anything um, to add about Aquaman? I did enjoy the first one. I, I did. Um, I... I added to, you know, a list of movies that I do like to watch sometimes because it is the only DCEU movie that was successful um, post-Justice League, posting up $1 billion at the box office, revitalizing the character of Aquaman totally, you know, and just, you know, making him cool again because nobody gave Aquaman his respect. So now Aquaman has his respect for sure. And, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I think it's awesome. And as far as the sequel goes, James Wan is talking about inducing more horror elements into it this time around. And um, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm all for that. Let's let's go. I'm, I'm with that. about a spinoff of Aquaman about the trench that's supposed to be 
the the horror element, but we'll see. But correct me if I'm wrong. I think Aquaman is the only DCU film to make a billion. Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, that is true. Let me see, because I think Wonder Woman was the closest to Aquaman, but I don't know if it hit the billion dollar mark. Let mm-hmm. me see. I'm pulling this up. Um, I know Batman v Superman made eight hundred million. Suicide yeah. Squad had seven hundred. Wonder Woman made eight hundred twenty-one million. Yeah. That's very good. It's still really, really good. Um. So yeah, there's that. So yeah, Aquaman overall, I'm more excited than I am for Shazam. But Aquaman two wasn't really the big announcement I was looking for. Um. But I'm excited for it. I'm going to watch it. I really don't yeah. have much to say about it. Now, this next film uh, was originally going to be in the number eight spot, but after watching uh, the roll call trailer for it and seeing more and more and more about what they're actually doing with this film has given me more hope with it, and that's uh, yeah. Suicide Squad. Uh, the, the Suicide Squad. Now, Understand, I've said this a thousand times. I firmly believe Suicide Squad from 2016 or 17, 16, uh, may have been the worst DC movie I've ever seen. I mean, you can take out, forget worst DCU movie. I said worst DC movie, and it's up there with worst superhero movies. I would have it in my top five, probably. Um, like I'm talking, it's up there with the Superman Quest for Peace movies. It's up there with Ghost Rider 2. It's up there with Batman and Robin. It's up there with Green Lantern and X-Men Origins. And just the absolute trash tier mm. of movies. Uh, no words can describe how much I reviled this film. That because that, Like I told you, this was the film where I really felt like DC was dying. This was that film. I was like, my God, what is yeah. this? This is embarrassing. I mean, I was I was truly embarrassed with what I was watching. Um, all that being said, um, I really like the costumes, yeah. and I do like that. There's a lot of characters they're pulling out that I know no one's ever heard of, like King Shark and Polka Dot Man. Uh, so they're definitely going for the. That's one thing I like is that with the first Suicide Squad movie, they cared more about what characters can we focus on to get people hyped for this. And they thought, well, Joker's a hot property, so let's fit a Joker in this film, which there was no Uh, Despite the fact I think Jared could have made an amazing Joker, but they totally wasted him in that film. Uh, But so... Uh, with this film, it seems to me like they care more about comic book accuracy than they do actual, yeah. you know, just draw in money, which that's a that's, good sign for yeah. me. Um, I think it'll be interesting, the tone of the film, because this is the same guy that directed mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so I don't expect this film to have much of a serious overtone. As much as I would like for it to have. Um, 
And that's what I want to see because that's who the Suicide Squad is. And, and that's what made the first one so aggravating because there were so many things I didn't like, like how they all became best friends almost instantly. And I'm thinking, the Suicide Squad try to kill yeah. each other all the time. This is because like, it's a group of villains. This isn't Guardians of the Galaxy. You're pairing a mercenary and Deadshot, a psycho and Harley Quinn, and a bunch of other characters. And I'm thinking, yeah, and the only reason they work together is because they have bombs planted in their neck. Yeah. Like, but what, is, well, what do they right. honestly care about? And the one who tried to escape that so, got the bomb blown up in his neck. I'm like, well, what was the point in you being here? Exactly. It was just like, yeah. we did all that just to kill him. But, um, yeah, overall, I really like the role trailer. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I mean, all it is is just showing the characters in costume. And so I, I liked what I saw. Uh, Harley Quinn being back in the red and black and having a more comic book accurate yeah. uh, costume, I loved. Because I'm not going to lie. I hated the Margot Robbie costume in Suicide Squad with the daddy's little monster and the booty shorts. I was like... I feel like this is more like that girl from that video game, Lollipop Chainsaw. No, you know I've never played about? it. It was a video game about a cheerleader who's trying to save oh. her boyfriend from zombies. And she's like, she's like really, like really sexy and everything. But she's also like cutting zombies heads off at the same time. I'm like, yeah, this feels more like wow. that than Harley. I mean, that. I can I can respect that and and I always tell unless your intention with a movie is to try to take it from its comic book origins like Christopher Nolan did nothing Chris Nolan did he took comic book characters out of the comic book setting and put them in a more realistic setting probably the most realistic setting we've ever seen and that's always a risk doing that when right. you steer away and, from the And material. unless your intention is to do that and try to do something different, I don't recommend you trying to stray away from the material. So, I mean, you know, but you then again, you can never, ever go wrong by sticking with source material and trying to be as close and respectful to the source material as you can be. And I see that James Gunn is doing that and you can't go wrong. Like it's down, even down to the first meeting room that they had that you see in issue one of Suicide Squad, you know, John Cena's got a scene in there where he's raising his hand on the behind the scenes uh, featurette. And I'm like, oh, it's down the detail. So those little subtle details, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't go wrong. Oh, exactly. So, yeah. Overall, I'm I'm actually excited yeah. for this one. I'm getting there now. Number five, and th this is where we start getting into films that I'm really excited for. Films I'm really looking forward to. Uh, so, at number five, I've got Wonder Woman okay. eighty four. Uh, I absolutely love Perfect. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I think. Uh, Wonder Woman, in my opinion, is the best standalone DCU film. That's just me. That's mm -hmm. my opinion. I loved it. I, I was so friggin' impressed with her and her capturing Wonder Woman's personality and being that woman who is a strong, independent woman 
but doesn't really give yeah. off the feminist vibe. Um, so I absolutely loved it. Uh, her acting is phenomenal. I loved the trailer that got released for this film before uh, COVID hit and everything, where they're playing a remix of Blue Monday, which is such a good song. Uh, and I got to confess, I have not oh, seen the new it, trailer. Uh, only because I'm trying this new thing. There are just some films where I want to walk into the movie theater with some oh, okay. element of surprise. And there's certain DC films like, I mean, I'll give you an example. Like with Batman v Superman, I felt like they gave away everything in the trailer. Where like they showed that, you know, Wonder Woman's there. They're all standing together. And then they showed Doomsday at one point in one of the trailers. So I'm thinking, okay, we all, like any comic book fan, we know what Doomsday's famous for. We know what he does. So we kind of figured, okay, so Superman's going to get killed. And then when you show Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, all three standing by each other in a fighting position, you think to yourself, oh, okay, so I know now just by seeing this, Batman and Superman may have a little bit of a scrap, but I know it's going to get resolved real quickly because here they are standing together with Wonder Woman. So for me, like that's what I mean. Like I kind of gave away everything, even though it was still a good film. But I kind of yeah. liked that element of surprise. Like I mean, civil, like you know, with Civil War, you know, they didn't show any of the heroes in the trailer standing by each other. You only saw them fighting. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. So we got beef. There's beef here. This is serious. We don't know if they're gonna get back together. Um. But with Wonder Woman 84, May, I haven't seen the new trailer. Kind of uh, kind of keep that excitement for it. Uh, but I don't know if you've got um, anything to add about Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's going to be there, man. And that's a, that's all I that's all I know how to say is that, you know, Wonder and I give big props to DC because DC is the only super is the only uh, comic book property as far as films go that have brought women female superheroes back to the screen in a dominant way you know what i'm saying and you know and i you know and that's this is a talk for another time but i i i enjoyed captain marvel but you know it's sort of that matter of like who did it first i guess and i and i guess you could say that you know i mean wonder woman did wonder woman was the first female superhero film of this new age of hero films to bring women back to the forefront of the superhero genre. There was no toxic femininity. She did she didn't have to try to put down a man. She simply just showed up and handled business and got down and dirty with Doomsday. And what more could you want from a strong female hero? You know what I'm saying? She has her reasons for detaching from humanity. She has her reasons for being the way she is. She had a smart mouth. She she clapped back at Bruce and she's like, by the way, your drive's in your car. I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. Ooh, you know, sort of moment. So like even, you know, she's like slick on Bruce like that. And so it's it's just she's so enjoyable as a character. And just watching her do her thing is, is absolutely amazing. And um, I can only hope that they don't stray from that with uh, Wonder Woman 84. I hope they keep that same sort of attitude going forward towards uh, with Wonder Woman 84 as well. So, you know, I, I fully expect 84 to be an awesome film. Oh, same here. Um, 
now we get into my top four. These are fi- now my top two are films that I am literally just freaking out over and counting down the seconds, right. the minutes, the days for. Number three and four are films that aren't quite at that level, but I'm still hyped as shit for them. So at number four, I got the Black Adam movie. Um, I love The Rock. I really do. I love The Rock. He's uh, certainly, like you and I were talking about, he's a huge megastar in Hollywood. People, yeah, people can say whatever. Personally, I think he's a great actor. Yeah. But... Um, he is undoubtedly a Highest box office aspect. draw because you know he's got films. He, he's got films like Rampage and other films like that, where had they cast anybody else, Locked. it would have just a hundred percent flopped. But because it's The Rock, it's going to be a four yeah. or five hundred million dollar movie. That's that's who he is. He is a box office megastar, and so you put him in the most popular category of movies out there right now, which is the superhero genre, I have no reason to believe that this film won't rake in at yeah. the least 700 mil. That's that's my my expectation for this film. I, I see worst case scenario being five to 600 mil. Best case scenario, we might be talking about getting into that 1.1 billion dollar range. Uh, but I think that depends on early critic reviews what and what people are saying about what it. What can you say about the man? Uh, and, and well, I mean, there are some people that talk about maybe his acting abilities aren't the best in the world, and that he always just plays the same character of the, you know, the big if badass. If they watch HBO series everyone. Baller, which is about the NFL agent life, you'll see totally different. That The Rock has a different level of he can act. Trust me. Oh, I know. I've seen him in movies like Snitch, where he's shown me that he can act. Uh, so, I mean, I don't doubt anything. I mean, I, I can't speak on this film too much because we haven't seen yeah. a lot of it. All we've, all we've seen is that one minute and 20 second video of him talking about yeah. who he is. And it's pictures of him in the suit, which I think he looks sick, right. by the way. The suit is sick. Um so yeah, overall, man, I ain't got much more to say about it other than it's The Rock and a superhero yeah, film. Yeah, for think. sure. And and I'll only say two things. Number one, uh, you know, The Rock, big box office draw. You know, I'm gonna be hyped. I can't wait till it starts shooting. Can't wait till we see a trailer. Think about The Rock's attitude and how much of a how how menacing he can be. You know what I'm saying? And hope. And and we talked about a Black Adam Shazam movie too, but even more so than that. Think about how think about Man of Steel and Henry Cavill Superman, and how in Man of Steel he's so tender and optimistic and hopeful and doesn't really have that much of a menacing state, but more of a heroism state. Imagine that. Imagine Henry Cavill meeting that. You know what I'm saying? Meeting Black Adam and you got the Rock with this. You know, you know what's what's the S on your chest for? And uh, <laughs> and, and Superman's like, well, on my world, it doesn't matter what it means on your world. I'm just like, bro, I'm, think, I'm thinking about all the attitude that could come with a Black Adam Superman movie. Yeah, I imagine it'll be really good. I ain't got too much more to say about it because I don't have any more information. Yeah. Oh, and last thing, I'm sorry, last thing, 
I owe the we owe the Rock a big thank you. We were enjoying the XFL so much uh, already, and we were hoping that it wouldn't be one of those least to follow. So I do thank him for buying that, for buying the XFL to try to keep it going and keep bringing more football. So I'm thankful for that. But go ahead. Oh, yeah, big shout-out to The Rock. All right, uh, number three, again, is a film that I'm very pumped up for. Um, and I know for a fact that if we did this list, or if you did this list, it would be your number one. Uh, you already know what I'm talking about. At number three, I've got the Snyder Cut. Um, I can't say enough about how impressed I was with what I saw in yeah. that trailer. Um. Uh, I'm very pleased. Now, like I told you, I'm not sure how I feel about Darkseid yet. The more I look at him, the more it's kind of growing on me. Um, I, I will say, you know, uh, people are posting up pictures of him and then comparing him to Thanos. But what people need to understand is Thanos was created by Disney. Yeah. Um, and they've got... Buku funding. You know... Yeah, they, 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 their budget knows no limits. There is nothing they won't do. And like I said, that's a big reason why the MCU is so powerful is you've got Disney backing it, which it's like I told you, we can say whatever they want about, you know, the quality of the films they put out, but there is no debate that when it comes to making money, Disney is just on a league of their own. They, they, they really are. And the numbers, like I broke it down for you, there were 10 films last year that grossed a billion dollars and Disney made like seven or eight of them. So it's like that kind of dominance is right. just insane. Um, so there's that. Um, but my favorite thing I loved about this trailer was the tonal yeah. shift. Uh, you watch the Justice League trailer and it's showing, like I said, really pump you up music yeah. like Icky Thump and the Gary Clark uh, version of Come Together, which is an it amazing is. cover. And then you watch this trailer, and it's Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which is a lot more somber, a lot more serious. And you don't see the characters in this film smiling as much as you did in the Justice right. League trailer. I don't think it looked like there was a happy moment in this trailer. Because when you're talking about a villain like Darkseid, there's not a lot of laughter Nothing. to be had. Uh, so, uh, overall, I'm excited. And like I said, I just want... This film only has to do one thing to for me to say I like it. And one mm. thing only. I want Superman and Darkseid yeah. to throw hands. I want to see Black Suit Superman throw hands with Darkseid. Give me that fight. Like, that is one of the most iconic comic book fights. Every time it's Superman and Darkseid in the comics, you know it's right. going down. Because, I mean, you've got the all-powerful Darkseid against the all-powerful Superman. And it's always, yeah. ah, the excitement is always there. So, if, if Snyder can give me that, then I'm going to put respect on his name. And, and and lastly, before we continue, and I'm not about to get into a huge thing about Snyder, I just want to clarify yeah. some comments that I made about him on a previous mm. podcast. 
you and I were, and I'm going to concede something to you. You and I were talking about sit, uh, sitting at the table. Yeah. You know, you were talking to me about Snyder getting a seat at Nolan's table. Uh, the only th- there, there's one area where I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you when it comes to that Snyder. Uh, he did take up the mantle to lead the charge for DC. He did uh, reinvent Superman in a way that we'd never seen him before, which was really entertaining. I thought, I mean, Man of Steel, I don't think I've ever said anything nah. negative about it. Um, and he gave us a super overpowered Batman, but that's great. That's the comic book yeah. Batman. Um, but the only reason that I said, or and I didn't do a good job of explaining this, and that I don't grant him a seat per se at Nolan's mm-hmm. table, and I'll explain why it's kind of an unfair comparison or even Tim Burton. Tim Burton was really the first director, or my bad, second director. I can't remember the name of the guy who directed the original Superman yeah. movies. But Burton really changed the game with how successful Batman was. It was the talk of the town, and it really put superhero films back on the map in a more a serious state. light. Uh it really was. It was a staple film, and so was Batman yeah. Returns. Uh, it's really sad that we'll never get Tim Burton's. That's what I want. Everybody's talking about the the Snyder cut, the Air cut. I want the Burton <laughs> cut. I want. That's what I know. It's never going to happen, man. But I want to. I really wanted to see what was planned, which was for Catwoman to give one of her nine lives to Joker. That would have been a sick storyline to get Jack to get Jack Nichols. To get Nicholson back in the yeah. Joker costume, uh, that'd have been sick. But so, with when it comes to to Burton, now, granted, in Burton's case, superhero films, he was the only one yeah. doing them. Uh, other superhero projects, not named Batman and Superman, had really been a bit of a flop. Uh, you know, there was the Spider-Man series that really flopped. Uh, the only thing that had really done well was the Adam West. Batman series, which was about goofy yeah. as all hell, but then you've got Burton coming out saying, "No, this is Batman," and people flock to the theaters right. to see it. Uh, and then with Nolan, the reason I put so much respect on Nolan's name is I know you'll say he just legitimized Batman, but he did more than just legitimize him. He made Batman the most famous thing. In the theaters. Batman owned the box office. He was the talk of the town. Um, And as a result, in my opinion, from 2008, or my bad, from 2005 to 2012, that is that time frame where, in my opinion, DC saw its most prosperity that it's seen yet. Because you had the billion-dollar Dark Knight, the billion-dollar Dark Knight Rises, everybody loved it. It was just like even the the most diehard MCU fans will still give Keith Ledger his praise. They'll still give all these, because you can't deny them that. The acting from everybody was amazing, even even down to Gary Oldman's Commissioner Gordon, 
and Morgan Freeman's Lucius Fox. I mean, it was just a phenomenal right. cast. Um, so, but you see what I'm saying is that Burton and uh, uh, Nolan both took DC to a level that it had never seen before. You know, you had Burton here. No, here's serious Batman. Oh, damn, we got to go see this. And you have Nolan coming out. Well, here's a more serious trilogy. Yeah. Here, here's this. And then it just crushed right. the box office. The only reason I can't, from a visionary standpoint and what he was trying to do, I can place big props on Zack Snyder's name. Yeah. I can. But the reason I can't give him Nolan table status is because with what Nolan did, we saw DC as a uh, just reach a whole new level of popularity. Now, you can say it was only one character, but nevertheless, he's still a DC character. Yeah. So it still was whatever's good for Batman good for is DC. good for DC. It, yeah. The issue with Snyder... And, you know, we can talk all day about why it was this way, MCU bias, and all this other stuff. Snyder didn't really take DC to a new level of, you know, being popular and being, uh, you know, the talk of the town. Uh, Now, to his credit, neither Burton or even Nolan, for that matter, had a lot of competition. Burton didn't have any. Uh, And Nolan's only competition in terms of superhero films was an MCU that was still in phase one. The Avengers didn't come out until The Dark Knight Rises. And so that was the first Marvel film to make a billion dollars. But so with Snyder, my only issue and why I can't put that on his resume is because the fact that, you know, yes, it was Warner Brothers' fault, and we can talk about all the reasons, but at the end of the day, it didn't work out. He tried. It wasn't Zach's fault. Um, and I can give him props for trying and for having that great vision, but with Nolan, what I was talking about legacy is, you know, you look at where DC was when Nolan was there and compare that to where DC was when Snyder was there. Much different. But like I said, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that Snyder, when he took the mantle, the MCU was becoming the MCU. Um, so that was all yeah. I was saying, is that, is that Nolan took DC to a place that it has not, in my opinion, hasn't really been back to since. Uh but then, then again, that also might be because the MCU really wasn't a thing until the same year The Dark Knight Rises got released. Yeah. But that that 2005 through 2012 mark, that's when Nolan and his trilogy owned the movie theaters and owned superheroes. Yeah. And, and uh, go ahead. And D- uh, All right, go ahead. I was going to say that, and I'll concede this, bro, that, and I'll rephrase what I said on that last podcast concerning Nolan. Nolan did do a lot for DC, period, and he's also done a lot on Warner Brothers' side, period, being that a lot of his major successes are with Warner Brothers, so I'll say 
he's he's just he's a visionary filmmaker period so i wouldn't place i'm not going to place all of his success just with batman so i'll recant that um also as well what i'm coming to learn about is that when zach does a movie you know it it is a particularly uncomfortable situation that he'll take superheroes to and the the situations and the stories that we deal with end up being you know places that people normally don't want to discover for superheroes i'll say most likely so and and i'm coming to learn this that Zack snyder is in a quiet pace i'll admit that Zack snyder is not for the general audience and i'll admit that Zack Snyder's movies aren't for everyone so I'll admit that you know and and we can talk about Burton and Nolan you know those movies are are generally universally received and everyone can love them but I will I'm coming to learn and admit that and and for me I'm comfortable with that I can live with that if my favorite director is a guy who whose projects are not exactly you know loved by everyone they may cause some controversy and division and things like that I'm comfortable with that. You know, if it's not, uh, you know, if, if not, if it's not for everyone, then it's just not for everyone. And I can live with that. I can accept that. And, and I was, I wasn't trying to throw any shade Snyder's way when we had yeah. that podcast, because I really, do, I, I, when I really do respect the guy, but my issue is, is I believe there is every director or not every person that makes a good film is one of the best ever in my books. In my books, for me to look at you and start saying, yes, you're one of the goats, you've got to have a lot of accolades to your name. Like, I need a lot on you. Like, you've got to show me something. Now, Zach has showed me stuff. He's given me Watchmen, and he gave me Man of Steel, and he gave me 300. So I can I can place him up and say, yeah, this guy's a great director. Um. But when I say Nolan's table, I mean, we're talking about a man that, in my opinion, he was the true person to, you know, even though Watchmen had, you know, it came out and everything. To me, Nolan was the one who came along and said, look how realistic I can make your hero, Batman. Look at what I can do with him. And people ate it up. Yeah, they Um, they and and, so, and and look, I'm never going to take anything from Nolan for that. And I, I'll, I'll always and because I respect opinions, you know, I'll always see Nolan and Snyder at like a DC tandem to me simply because of the conversations Chris had concerning Zach sort of keeping on with the torch of, you know, the rest of the DC heroes and and, and Nolan recognizing what Snyder could do. And so and so. And and you're right because no one, there was no competition. Nolan's only competition was uh, early phase MCU. I do, I, and I believe that people, you know, with a DCU because MOS came out in 2013. You know, so many people. I think the the mindset for the cinematic universe was set, and I'm not and I'm not blaming it on the MCU mindset or anything. It's I I'll say that what Snyder wanted to do was a totally different vision. And I'm and I'm glad we're getting to see that with Zach's JL. And I hope it and I hope everyone enjoys it and gets oh, to yeah. see it. But I will give a word of warning that, you know, and, and I told you this on text. I'm like, well, because Zach gave me Watchmen, MOS, 300, Batman v Superman, to me, those are all 
big accolades for me. They don't get the recognition, but you know, I think that they're they, that they're there. And so I would hope that Zach gets to do more films, even outside of the superhero drama, to keep on adding and adding to his resume. But then again, it's like I said, Snyder is not in uh is not a universal taste for everyone. He's a acquired taste for well, for rare well, people. Like I said, the the one pushback that I kept giving you was when you started telling me about like the legacy of uh, Man of Steel and BVS compared to the legacy of the Dark Knight. I wasn't trilogy. comparing legacies. I mean, I was just saying that they're there when we talk about those legacies. Well, no, because see, as I was understanding what you were saying, and, and you took great offense to me saying in terms of the legacy of DC and the big three of directors, I said that Nolan is LeBron, Burton is D Wade, Snyder is Chris Bosch. And you took a lot of offense to that. But for me, the reason I say that's so accurate is because that was the Miami heat big three. Those were the three guys that ran the show. If, if, so you, you, if, you, switch me, if you switch me Wade, and put Wade at Snyder, and then put Burton at Bosch, I would probably be okay. Simply because Zach has more DP properties and comic properties under his belt that he's adapted than Burton. That's all. Well, technically, I mean, in the seat of just being the straight director, they have, well, I mean, now there's the Snyder cut, so that is three to two. But I'm talking about like the legacy of those films and where they left DC and what they and, and for right. whatever reason, that's all I'm looking at. You know, we can talk about the reasons, but there is no debate that when Burton left, DC was in a huge place, huge place. Batman was the hot ticket when Nolan left. That the Dark Knight trilogy was the biggest trilogy that the world had seen yeah. at that point. Uh, but Snyder's uh, tenure at DC is full of, and now none of this is his fault, but it's full of dysfunction. And you know, people don't 100% trust him, they won't let yeah. him do his thing. Um, now none of right. this is, and, his and that's fault. oh, I'm sorry, and that's what I was trying to tell you about BBS because I'm like. You have this movie where Zach wants to pour his passion and vision and use his full talent to, which he did in the Ultimate Edition. But at the same time, if you're watching it from a standpoint of, okay, let's see what DC has cinematic universe wise, you'll start to see from that angle that it's a lot of studio interference. You'll see that, wait a minute, you know, they're trying to do this and it won't be as, you know. Well, yeah, that, there's that aspect, but all I was saying is that the legacy of the Dark Knight trilogy is that it was the biggest trilogy the world had seen at that point, and it put DC... I mean, that was the last time where DC was more arguably that more Marvel popular was. than Marvel. Yeah. That, was, that was the last time. And so from that lens of legacy and putting DC up on a pedestal and that contribution... To me, Nolan's on a league of yeah. his own with what he did. Now, that's not taking away from Snyder yeah. as a director. That's just me saying that the Dark Knight trilogy, it was the biggest yeah. film of that year. Uh, it was huge. It was freaking massive. Uh, 
And with Snyder, you know, yeah, it was good, but there were a lot of things that went wrong with the studio and things that were out yeah. of Snyder's control. So for me, at the end of the day, I just look at how did it work? And with Snyder, there was a lot of choppiness, studio interference, and as a result, that hindered what could have been. We'll never know what could have been, because even with the it, it coming to HBO Max, we'll still never know well, what would have happened had they just done this yeah. to begin with. And he said, and he said so himself. We'll never- he's like, "There's no, he's not waiting around for Warner Brothers to be like, hey, we want you to make a Justice League too." He's glad that he's getting this opportunity to finish his vision and get it released. And, you know, if there's a sequel, okay, cool. But if not, he's not holding his breath waiting on Warner Brothers to be like, hey, we want you to come back and do more DCEU movies. So, I mean. And and that's how come I also give D. Wade to Burton because of how those movies turned out and the place that DC was in while Burton was there, despite what the outside reasons were, the only thing I'm focused on is end result. How did it end for you? What was it like when you left? And so with Nolan, he left with the biggest trilogy of all time. Burton left with two films that made Batman an icon. And, you know, Snyder, you know, he, he tried, he reinvented Superman, great for him and everything, but due to the studio interference, we'll never know the place Snyder could have taken DC to. And because of that, I can't give him the Nolan table because oh the, the spot... Uh-oh, what's happening? Yeah, popular... sorry, hold on. One second. You hear me? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. We'll never know what yeah, what happened. We'll never know where it could have been. And because we will never know, I can't, you know, go by hypotheticals and say, well, it would have been about where Burton or Nolan yeah. took him because we'll never know. It's kind of like whenever Carson Wentz got injured in the uh, game against Seattle yeah. last year. It's like, would the would the uh, Eagles have beaten the Seahawks had Carson been in the game? We'll never know. Well, we'll never and it's know. A, it's, a real, it's a bitter it's pill to swallow. And-, oh, and that's all I'm saying is because even though I acknowledge Zach's a great director, due to studio interference and everything else, he doesn't have that level of success or accolades yeah. that Nolan got. And that's all I'm saying. And that's not a knock on Zach as a director. That's just because no, nobody's going to knock on Chris Nolan's door and be like, hey, we don't want this scene in the dark night because it's such and such. Nobody's going to do that. You know what I'm saying? But because you were trying to compete with the MCU, you know, boom, hey, we need you to correct this because we're trying to get to this certain point instead of just letting your director do what he was supposed to do. So, yeah, and I, and I, so I totally understand that. Nobody was telling Chris what to do. There was no studio interference, but totally different story once Zach got on the scene because the MCU was at its point and DC was like, okay, we got to get there. And I think think uh, Warner Brothers is learning from their mistakes. So that's good. And I hope they are because Zach's jail is going to be a huge thing for them. And it it has been, you know, and 
for me, just my personal opinion in retrospect, I can look at Man of Steel, BBS, and Wonder Woman, and Zach's JL and be like, I consider that an awesome thing right there, a success. Minus Suicide. I can look at that and be like, oh my god. Stop. Sorry, bro. I keep on getting phone calls. I'm sorry. But but, but yeah, I can, I can look at those films and be like, you know, I'm proud of what Zach tried to get done, proud of what he gave me, and I can I can sleep on that peacefully. So I'm excited. And you know, so yeah, number three, I got the Snyder cut because I am excited for it. You know, give me Dark Side and Superman fighting, and I'll be happy. And give me the Batman I saw in BVS yeah. because. I'm not going to lie. I've been watching the Dark Knight trilogy again, and I'll concede this. I think that I do enjoy Affleck's Batman more than Christian Bale's, because I'm kind of coming to this conclusion about Christian Bale. I love him. He's an amazing actor and did a good job, but I'm starting to realize more and more that when you start listening to why people love the Dark Knight trilogy, a lot of people go a long way before they get to Christian Bale. You know, they'll talk about Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul, Cillian Murphy, Scarecrow, Tom Hardy's uh, Bane. You know, I don't even have to mention Heath Ledger's Joker. I mean, that's the most obvious one, Um, you know. So, but Affleck, I mean, my God, seeing that intensity. It's like I was telling you, the one knock that I have against Bale's Batman is my favorite thing about Batman is the fear in the villain's eyes when Batman shows up. Everybody's like, oh shit, it's Batman. We got to get out of here. Like, oh God, Batman's about to whoop all of us. Bale had some moments where he kind of had that vibe, but Ben Affleck's Batman in that warehouse, oh He was in control the whole time. The ferocity, the anger, it was there. The scene him literally branding a villain with right. the bat logo. I was oh shit, we got this Batman. Yeah. Okay. You got the Batman that put the whooping on right. Superman. Beat him down. Like beat the yeah. shit out of him. And I saw a post that made me so mad because it was just showing everything I'm talking about. It was a picture of it was Iron Man and it said get some moon hurled on him gets back up and fights like a boss. And then it showed that scene from Justice League where Superman hit Batman. And then it said, get slapped by Superman one time, has to take a 15 minute That made minute me nap. so mad. I saw that and I was like, oh, so we're just going to ignore the Batman that beat Superman down right. in the first one? Like, was about two, was two seconds away from putting that spear through his throat until right. Lois showed up. He was two seconds, like, Superman was about to get killed. Like, Batman had just finished throwing him around the room through pillars and shit. Like, he had whooped Superman's yeah. and, ass. And one thing, good. No, I was saying, the one thing I can tell people before we move on to the next, uh, the number, I believe, number one and number two, right? Yep, these are the two films that, that I'm just about to have okay. a heart attack the, the one thing I can tell people before we move on is that when this set, when Zach JL comes out, you can officially replace Justice League. Justice League will no longer be canon in the eyes of anyone. 
it will always be Sax JL. And you can take that version of Batman, that version of those characters, and take that to the bank. And that is where WB is fixing their mistake. And I'm glad that they've that they've corrected that and being like, okay, this is what we we should have given you. So in retrospect, that's always a good thing. Let me ask you though, did I surprise you having the Snyder cut up this high, or did you kind of expect it to be um, there for me? I expected it to be there for you because because you're you are I classify you are a victim of um, major injustice. You were one of the victims among many of us who suffered a major injustice with Justice League in 2017. And so, you know, even down to what you said in the beginning about Hallelujah being the theme song. At first, with Gary Clark Jr. and all those covers and all those songs, those were the songs that were for that Justice League, for Zach's version. And and they kept them when they changed. But now you add three years of hardcore fan support. You add three years of petitioning and, 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 you know, petitioning Warner Brothers and hard work and dedication by a fandom. You get a totally different product. And that's what that trailer and that's what that song reflects, you know. So... Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, Snyder Cut number three. Now number two and number one, honestly, they're tied. Um well no, not really, because there's one film I haven't seen a trailer uh-huh. for and one I have. So at number number two, I've got the Flashpoint movie. Yeah. The Flash film. Uh and, and I, I can sum it up in three words why this is. Three words, boys and girls, on, and only Three. Y'all ready for these three words? Right. Michael fucking Keaton. Michael Keaton. Yo. The man, the OG Dark Knight is returning. And I can't get over it. Like, ever since you told me live on J-House, like, you got my uncensored reaction. I was like, how did you not know? But you, like, you was cut. You was like, I was totally done. Yeah, I told you. I said, after I saw Birds of Prey, I left the theater and I said, I am officially right. done with DC. I don't I don't care anymore. And I, that's what, and that's sad, I know. Because you know me, man, I'm the biggest, I'm a huge DC fan. I grew up on it, man. Uh, and so I just thought to myself, DC's getting ready to die out. And I'm reading all this about layoffs at the comic book companies and i'm like jesus christ how bad is this like why this bad um but when you said those two words michael keaton in half a second my whole attitude (laughs) changed because that was the first time i've experienced true hype for a dc film i haven't had that feeling since Joker, and even then with that film, I was still like, this is only one film. Like, what's it really going to do? It's not a DCU film, um, and it's hardly a Joker film, because he's only Joker for 20 minutes. Uh, But, yeah, dude, I'm I'm hyped as shit for this film, because, like, one scene, I I just want to see if they give me Affleck and Keaton fighting together side by side, Oh yeah. my God, I just, I won't be able to handle that much right. awesomeness. Because uh, I I don't know if you've ever watched the Keaton I Batman have. movies. Uh, 
You good? Yeah. You there? Oh. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, I've watched the Keaton movies and and like they're a staple, like we like we said earlier, man. And for me, Ben Affleck and and I'm and I'm thankful that so many people recognize the brilliance of of Keaton as Batman as they should, and that they recognize the brilliance of Ben Affleck, you know, as they should. And so to see these two versions of Batman, which are debatable or debatably the two most prominent and dominant versions of the uh, the character on the screen, you know, I think it'll be great because, um, you know, nobody's going to touch Keaton's, you know, legacy. Nobody's going to say that Keaton never was the Batman. Nobody can say that. For Ben, we sort of thought that was over with once Justice League happened and, you know, they he went from being the best brutal Batman ever, and then they totally just ruined his character in JL. So now we're getting Zacks, and we're going to get the real continuation. So it's sort of a chance to be like, hey, here's what Ben was going to be like. Here's how Ben is in Justice League for real. And then on top of that, hey, here you go. We're going to put him in the Flash film so he can play Batman for you one more time. I'm like, Warner Brothers, I love you. Thank you so much. Like, so... So it's it's really Flashpoint. This Flash movie is really a chance to, um, you know, sort of for Ben, I'm believing, to exit his way out. And also for Keaton fans and for people who just love Batman, period, to um, connect with what made them love Batman in the first place. You know, those iconic shots, those those close ends of, of Michael putting on his suit. The, the yellow the back the yellow logo back when because let's face like since Batman's modernization there really hasn't been an incarnation where he's went back to the classic uh black on yellow Batman symbol so I think seeing that symbol will like just do something for so many people who grew up with Michael Keaton as Batman and um you know I I think it's just going to be awesome it's going to be a heartfelt story um and Lord, it's going to connect so much to the multiverse. I'm expecting this movie to, to make a billion or so because it's going to connect the whole DC verse. It's going to connect everything that DC has ever done or at least give a nod to it and let us know that, hey, we haven't forgotten about it. We know you love this part of DC, you know, and stuff like that, while also trailblazing and making a new way, you know, for the future of the DCEU. So I'm totally expecting that and to have Michael Keaton in it you know, and Ben Affleck in it, guaranteed success all the way around. Oh, yeah. And I can't really add anything else to it. Um, So finally, we get to number one, and I don't think this will come as much of a shock to anybody, um, but the Robert Pattinson Batman film. Matt Reeves directing... uh, the the grunginess of the trailer was amazing. I was actually watching the reveal with my girlfriend and yeah. uh she was laughing at me whenever there was that scene with the green envelope to yeah. the Batman. When I saw that envelope, I was like, Holy I was biting my thumb and by the end, whenever you hear Riddler tell Batman, you know, you're a part of this. How? Yeah. You'll see. I was like Bro, this is about to go crazy. I'm right. not ready. 
they the and the seeing the beginning with the tape faced and everything, I was like, they about to go right. dark in this one. Mm. But anyways, bro, I hate to do this. I gotta wrap this one. Oh, I feel you, today. man. I feel you, bro. All right, then. I feel you on that. But yeah, but thank you. Yeah, this this was fun. Yeah, this one was definitely off the chain, bro. I'm glad we got to reconcile yesterday's podcast and sort of get into something new. So thank you, bro, for being on as always. Thank you, ladies, for tuning in. And gentlemen, this is Shea House Podcast Radio. We'll catch you guys later, man. Peace. Thank you for joining. This has been another edition of Jay House Radio.